up, baby, put the jinx on me. I got the heebie jeebies and the can't get well. I got the heebie jeebies and the Jew got the tail lift. If I'm a baby, then no, no, well, I'm gonna ring your door till I break your bell. You gotta jump back, jump back. Heebie jeebies, gotta get back, get back. Heebie jeebies, gotta jump back, jump back. Heebie jeebies, gotta get back, get back. Heebie jeebies, gotta jump back, jump back. Heebie jeebies, I'm a bad luck, baby, put the jinx on me. I got the heebie jeebies, cause I love you so. I got the heebie jeebies, why you have to go with it? Don't want me, darling, just let me know, then I won't be a fool over you no more. You gotta jump back, jump back. Heebie jeebies, gotta get back, get back. Heebie jeebies, gonna jump back, jump back. Heebie jeebies, gotta get back, get back. Heebie jeebies, gonna jump back, jump back. Heebie jeebies, I'm a bad luck, baby, put the jinx on me. I got the heebie jeebies, and I feel so sad. I got the heebie jeebies, why you make me mad? Put the jinx on me again. You gotta jump back, jump back. Heep it deep, you gotta get back, get back. Heep it deep, you gonna duck back, duck back. Heep it deep, you gonna get back, get back. Heep it deep, you gonna duck back, duck back. Heep it deep, you gonna bad luck, baby. Put the jinx on me. Over you no more. You gotta jump back, jump back. Heep a deep, you gotta duck back, duck back. Heep a deep, you gotta get back, get back. Heep a deep, you gotta duck back, duck back. Heep a deep, you gotta get back, get back. Heep a deep, I'm a bad luck, baby. Put the jinx on me. I got heep a deep, cause I feel so bad. I got heep a deep, why you make me mad? No one but darling, just let me in, and I won't say you put the jinx on me again. You gotta jump back, jump back. Heep a deep, you gotta duck back, duck back. Heep a deep, you gotta get back, get back. Heep a deep, you gotta duck back, duck back. Heep a deep, you gotta jump back, jump back. Heep a deep, you gotta bad luck, baby, put the jinx on me. This is Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest today is David King, the uh, virtuoso uh, behind Lemon Styles, Danny Dutch, Crime World. Let's see what else I got here. Uh, Reliable Comics, um, Horse and Rider with the wonderful pie bag. Did I mention Crime World? Crime World. And the shortest interval. Um... And more Danny Dutch stuff. Danny Dutch and Sorry, Danny Dutch, King of the Aliens. As well as a love for Glorious Williams. Did I get the name right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Awesome. Yay. Uh, anything I forgot? Uh, no, no, I think that's pretty much uh, everything. I did a couple of another uh, little tiny mini comics that maybe you've never seen that aren't worth seeing, probably. I'll find them. <laughs> uh, did I mention I have uh, the Bethesda is Latin for stamina? Oh, you've got one of those. I'm not sure if I have one. It was, uh, it's a lovely little mini comic that you did with uh, Ivan Brunetti, John Hankovich, and On Smith. A uh, a group not to cough at. That's uh, a well, uh, a talented pool of men. Yeah, those are some uh, really good guys. I was a weak link in that thing, I'm sure. Oh, don't say that. And uh, John, John did most of the the uh, production work on that. I think he, uh, I don't know if he lithoed those covers. Maybe he just paid for the printing. Yeah, it, I don't think that's litho. Oh, he he actually did a 
Uh, we did a print where we each oh, okay. dipped in a little drawing, and he made the print. Uh, he pulled those prints for us. I have this one print he did that uh, I forget. I think it's like a an etching, and it's it's amazing. That guy put so much work into his stuff. Oh yeah, he's really great. Wish he made more comics. Yeah, I think he has something new that he's working on, but uh, you know, who knows? With with us, we nobody can ever get anything out on a schedule. No, no. You you tried to for a while with your weekly comics. Yeah, sometimes I'm on the ball with it. Uh, since I finished Lemon Styles, I've kind of not been. Was that kind of building up for Lemon Styles? Uh, not really. I mean, the 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 stuff in Danny Dutch was was also uh, weekly or weekly ish on the internet, which I think I started doing in two thousand eight or something like that, maybe. Okay. So I mean, I've kind of been been at it for a little while now, but I think I went for almost one whole year where I did like ten pages of comics, and then then I kind of jumped back into it when I was trying to finish up Lemon Style. I want a little bit of background about you to know kind of your history with comics. Um, your style, I mean, you know, you've got a lot of influences going there from the Glaeus Williams that you are a very uh, loud proponent of, um, as well as, I guess, like, Schultz has been a stated influence. Am I right? What, what was that last thing you said? Schultz? Peanuts? Schultz, yeah, uh, to a little bit, I guess. A little bit. Uh, I think uh, I keep reading reviews where people always bring up Schultz, and I, I'm not as into him as people seem to think I, I might be. I guess it's the use of the uh, the short squat guys. Yeah, I suppose I suppose that's it, and the, and yeah, most of the comics are about this misery. <laughs> <laughs> that could be any comic. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, tell me a little bit about like your history with comics. What was some of the, your formative influences growing up? What were you really uh, into? Well, you know, I started out reading superhero stuff when I was a kid. I think um, I think my first first comic that I bought with my own money was one of those Alan Moore uh, Superman. Like he did those two issues of Superman. Mm-hmm. The whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? Right. Yeah, and I bought the first one of those, and I. I I guess it kind of hooked me, but after that, I mean, those are those are pretty good superhero comics, and the, you know, most uh, or a lot of stuff doesn't really touch those. So it was kind of downhill after that. Um, but I, I I started reading those. Um, you know, this is 1986 or seven or something like that. I started reading the the Keith Giffen Justice League comics. Oh yeah. And I, I think that stuff was, uh, I don't know, pretty good. Uh, Good, uh, good thing to read for a developing uh, cartoonist, mm-hmm. because uh, I don't know, it, it sort of, you know, it definitely uh, fooled around with the, uh, the the standards of, of superhero comics. That you know, it, it gave me the idea that I don't necessarily have to do things uh, in a traditional way all the time. Well, it fooled around with the superhero comics, but it also set a really standard storytelling techniques too. Which was interesting yeah, about that true stuff. Too. Yeah, I think I, I learned a lot from from reading Keith Giffen comics. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, now he's I don't know, maybe just in my eyes, he's really stale. But 
because he, he's just been doing kind of the same stuff for uh, 30 years or something. Waka waka. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a while I was really collecting his comics, and I, you know, I'd get like an issue of, you know, Heckler, and then I'd read an issue of Ambush Bug, and I'd read uh, one of those weird off-brand things. He'd do like a Dark Horse thing or something, and I'd see like the same jokes, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, like that, that started to sort of ruin the the illusion of of uh, how great Keith Giffen is. I mean, he's still good, you know. Like he, he, he really solid storytelling, and and uh, sometimes I really like his drawings. Well, I think um, one of the uh, the the things that worked with the Justice Leagues is the fact that it wasn't a solo effort. Maybe. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I think all the stuff he's done in the last uh, I don't know whatever. 15 years or something it's been just him writing it and I, I think he's better with a, a group yeah. for sure I think Demates would focus him and it's hard to do crappy comics with Kevin McGuire drawing it yeah I, I think so except for Strike Back I don't know if you ever read that that was pretty bad actually I never no I never read those it's, yeah not much to say about that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So anyway, I guess from there, I, I don't know, I was just reading, you know, that stuff. I, I kind of got hooked on Legion of Superheroes for, for uh, I don't know, several years, and that's about all I read. Um, I don't know, as far as, like, mainstream superhero junk until, I don't know, I was in my early 20s, I think, when I kind of stopped reading all of that. Uh, See, I, I'm i curious... I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm curious about folks that get into Legion of Superheroes, I always like I'm a DC kid growing up and I could always or I could never make sense of them oh uh, well just I mean you seem just have to, to I just have to dig into the back issues is all there is to it but um, you know it, it takes takes patience I think yeah but yeah I mean uh, I still like those comics I mean I've read probably you know 35 or 40 years worth of those comics I haven't really been reading the new stuff mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's interesting in sort of a, a soap opera way. You you touch on that a little bit in your uh, Legion of Superheroes sketchbook with the uh, Cosmic Boy and... Oh, right, yeah, that, that strip that's in there. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, uh, for a while I, I kind of, I think I was toying with the idea of doing more, like, fan comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of in the same way that, you know, people write fan fiction, they'll write, like, stories about this stuff, and I thought, well, shit, I'll just do some comics, you know? But, I don't know, at that point I wasn't good enough, and I, I'm glad I didn't spend any any uh, real time on doing that, because I think it would have been a waste of time, versus, you know, doing my own things. Um, do you find, I guess, what kind of release do you get from doing your comics? Especially when you look at the work like the Danny Dutch and the Lemon Styles. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's not um, it's not a hugely uh, cathartic thing for me. I guess. I mean, I'm only doing them for fun, really. But I suppose in in some ways, it's it's a good way to let off steam about certain things. But um, really, doesn't really go too much deeper than that. I guess. <laughs> It's it's uh, you know I can be cranky on paper and mean on paper instead of uh, in in day to day life. It's a way to work out the general crankiness. 
I guess. I mean, I, I suppose people who probably see me every day probably uh, think I'm the same, you know, jerk I always was. Who knows? <laughs> why so cranky, David? Why? Why the? <laughs> why the refutation? I don't know. I, I, I don't deserve any reputation for being cranky. <laughs> it's all right. I'm pretty cranky in my uh, in my day to day life. Folks don't see it, and that's okay. I'm really a sweet, wonderful guy. Um, back to your comics. Um, when did you start working on the Danny Dutch character? Was that something early in doing your own comics? That someone that stuck out, or something that stuck out? Yeah, what? just a character. I didn't catch that whole question. Oh well, the. Danny Dutch, tell me about a little bit of background of where he first started to appear and. Oh uh, well, I think um, in that that Legion Legion of Superheroes sketchbook I did, I think the sort of the basic design of the Lightning Lad character I used was the the same as the Danny Dutch with the long nose and the lumpy hair. Um, I don't know he's kind of gotten stretched into a sort of you know squatter, bigger nose, more cartoon-looking character. As time goes on, I think I originally designed that as to, as being like a, sort of like a weird amalgamation of like I don't know like uh, Archie and 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 you know Lightning Lad or something to be this kind of ugly red mop headed person. <laughs> this unfortunate uh, squat boy. Yeah, and then yeah, I just kind of started trying to figure out how to draw that character, I guess, and make it work all the time because I think it's a, I don't know, it's ultimately kind of a weird design and not very good for drawing, but uh, I don't know, I, I just kind of kept them around. And so, yeah, I did a couple of mini-comics with, with that character, and then I just started doing those weekly strips. And now I've, you know, I've got like three or four stock characters I'm always using all the time. When did you start making your own comics? Um, well, I mean, as a kid, I kind of, you know, made some some comics probably when I was 12 or 13, just, you know, nothing any good or nothing that ever went anywhere. Um, as far as trying to actually be, like, you know, making mini comics and, you know, sh showing it to people, I, I didn't do any of that until probably, um, gosh, like five or six years ago, like 2003 or four, I think was when I did that first mini-comic, uh, Horse and Rider. Um, and that was, that comic strip, that tie bag thing, is, was my, my final project for the the Ivan Brunetti's uh, cartooning class. That I oh, took. okay. I didn't and know so you I, took it. Sorry? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I took his class, and, um, yeah, we all had to do, I mean, it, it, it was it was pretty uh, up in the air what we could do. It was kind of a pass fail. It was kind of goof around, kind of class. But uh, I don't know. But that, that was my final, and I did those. That it's all on like one big sheet of paper, I think. That that high bag strip, and I kind of broke it up for for the mini comic. Is that how you got to know? Um, like, are you originally from Chicago? I guess. Uh, I'm not. Um, uh, how did it go? I'm from Kansas originally. Um, but yeah, you know, my girlfriend was going to going to college in in a town in Western Illinois, 
Um, and so I was living there with her, and then we just decided to move to Chicago when she graduated. So we lived there for about a year, and that's when I took that class. Um, and uh, it was a really, uh, you know, pretty defining experience, I guess, uh, you know, meeting Ivan and, and uh, Aunt Smith was in that class, too, which is where I met him. And he, he had known uh, John Hankowitz, too, so that's sort of how I, how I met up with those guys. Um, what were some of the things that Brunetti, because I haven't actually talked to anyone that's taken his comics class. I'm curious what kind of stuff that you learned from him that's been really important. Uh, well, I mean, I, this was the first class he taught, so I think it was more, uh, more of a prototype to probably what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he had us do exercises for, for doing, you know, single panel gag comics and then, you know, four panels or three and three panels and four panels and we'd sort of, you know, try and experiment with, with how, with the, the sort of the, the mechanics of, of how to successfully do these sort of differently formatted comics. And, um, and his, his, I guess his real focus was on just like the gag or the four panel. And, and I mean, that's, you know, it's clearly reflected in those four panel strips I've been doing for the last several years here. Um, but that, you know, that was pretty much the gist of it, I guess, was to do like, or to figure out how to successfully do different, the, you know, like the classic formats of comics. Um, and he, you know, he talked about how to, or how he sort of perceives the, the, I don't know, like the interiors of panels as a stage versus like a, you know, a movie screen or something like that. And he talked about pacing and, and, you know, grids and I don't know, uh, just a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, we did a lot of a lot of oh doodling exercises too, which he was really big on. Is like uh, sort of taking your drawing back to like the absolute basic, like so it's like handwriting or something. Well, that's what he was doing at that time, right? That was when he kind of transferred from that very detailed, maniacal style to his more minimal. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, work. yeah. I think at the time I was in that class, he hadn't published anything and in a long time it was sort of in between um when he did schizo three and when schizo four came out i think number four came out in like an oh five or something that sounds about right so this was even a year or two before that came out so yeah he, he was in this transition phase in his own artwork i think where he didn't he wasn't doing anything that looked like like those early issues of schizo with the you know the hyper detailed stuff or the or those things where he'd like uh, copy or or mimic other cartoons. Mm-hmm. He he had done a lot of. I mean, he I guess he just thinks constantly about how to make comics and how they work. I uh, picked up when I was at SPX the one time I picked up. He had those old boxes of his sketchbooks that he hacked up. Oh right, that yeah. show that transition. It's really fascinating to see like how he went from that to that and. Yeah, he's oh, not. I mean, he literally destroyed a lot of stuff, <laughs> a lot of his old comics. Yeah, yeah, just hacked it up and sold these little boxes. Yeah, which they're beautiful little boxes, but I couldn't imagine folks doing that to their sketchbooks. I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, I it wasn't even just sketchbooks. It was like 
you know, original art, like those, like those Scooby-Doo comics and stuff are in those, I think. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of different stuff. There's, yeah. there's one of those, like, tryout for uh, one of his, you know, incredibly inappropriate gag strips. I think it was, like, a pregnant woman saying she's drinking for two or something, and then he scratched it out because yeah, he wasn't yeah. happy with it. And... Yeah, it's kind of funny how he just sort of, I don't know, turned... Turn like his life crumbling into the, into these weird little art projects that he sell at SPX. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. Uh, did were you familiar with Ivan's stuff before he took the course? Oh yeah, I mean that's why I took it. It's like you know I I really liked his stuff. I think I I got I think it's a number three maybe a, a year or two before uh, I took that class, and you know I've been sort of been following what what little output he had at that time, but, you know, I, I read all this stuff, and I had, you know, Hall, and... He. And, uh, and I don't think that had come out yet but when I took the class, but, you know, I, I've been following him, and, I and you know, those other other big uh, indie guys, you know, Chris Ware and, and Dan Clouds and whoever, that, you know, I knew he was kind of at the same level as those dudes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, shit, i got to take this class, you know, and it was... I saved up my three hundred bucks and I signed up for the class. <laughs> Is that the the main artistic education you had, or did you go to art school? Uh, I did go to art school, but I only went for six months, and I was I was not in a like a creative arts program. It was the the program for it was called multimedia, but it was like at that time nineteen ninety five and ninety six like mm-hmm. the wave of the future with CD-ROMs <laughs> and uh, that was what like the the work I was being I would have learned how to do in that art school program was to like manage the production of CD-ROMs and, <laughs> and it was like all this um, you know there was a lot of philosophy of interactivity and stuff that they were trying to talk to us about in the in the courses um, and then there was like these really. I, I eventually just dropped out because I had to take the general education courses there, and they were so ridiculous. It was like I had to take a like an eighth grade level English class. You know, I, I, was, I was paying for that thing, and I was doing worksheets where I filled in nouns and verbs. <laughs> so it, that that kind of infuriated me, and I, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm curious because your work is very, very finely rendered, and you know you seem to put a lot of work into your comic strips. And so I was wondering what is going into that. Like, how much were you taking from other things, from other experiences? Oh, yeah. I mean, all I know about drawing is what I, you know, learned from comics and like how-to cartooning books and stuff. Pretty much, I've, yeah, I've never taken any kind of. I think I had one like drawing class when I was in college. But uh, yeah, I, I don't really know anything about it. Just a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trial and error since I was a kid trying to learn how to draw comics. Well, one thing I really appreciate is uh, going through your Flickr. Is you'll go through a comic strip and put all the steps you put into making it. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Um, what What are some of the purposes for yourself to to post all that information? Um. Well, I think partly it's because I like to see it. I mean, I kind of like just for myself to have sort of a record of that. I mean, not that it, it, it 
probably doesn't really matter, and I'll probably forget that I put those things up there. But I don't know. I I kind of like just to do it for myself, and then also I don't know. I, I like to see that from other people, and I hardly ever do. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I you know I guess uh, maybe uh, e- egotistically think that maybe somebody will look at my stuff and and uh, get some use out of it. Maybe it's all but, about uh, the learning. It's it's also fun just to scan. <laughs> You're the first person I've heard say that. <laughs> it's got to be one of the most boring, laborious parts of being a cartoonist. Oh, it's not too bad. You just have to section it out. Like if you if you draw a hundred pages and then get around to scanning it once you've got the hundred done, it's it's ridiculous and terrible. Yeah, mind numbing. Yeah. Now. How much do you do? Do you do all of it pen and ink, or do you do stuff in Photoshop as well for tweaking? Um, yeah, I do maybe a third of the work in Photoshop, I guess. I mean, all the you know all the panel borders and the figures in the background, I draw all that with ink on paper. But then there's uh, gray tones and stuff that I do primarily uh, with Photoshop. Once in a while, I'll, I'll actually you know, get out a, a separate sheet of paper and do some wash stuff on that and then sort of overlap them or layer them up in Photoshop. But, I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do any of it the same way. I couldn't be able to make it look the same without Photoshop uh, work as, like, a final step. Yeah, it's a it's a useful tool. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, uh, I don't know, sometimes I, I worry that I use it too much and that I should not use it, but I guess it doesn't really matter. See, I, I don't get the Photoshop feeling from your work, so... Yeah, I think that's that's the deal, is, like, as long as I can make sure it doesn't have, like, lens flare and, and you know, whatever, all the, the stupid, tricky stuff on it, um, I think, you know, mostly nobody really notices, I hope. Yeah, no, there is... You, you'll see comics and you'll notice it, and it'll kind of take you away from the work, but I don't really feel that in your work, so... Yeah. Good. Good.
back with Ink Studs at CITR 101.9 FM. I'm chatting with David King. Uh, we were just yakking about very fun and exciting Photoshop. It's a fine world, Photoshop, isn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, your comics, just to remind people, uh, Danny Dutch, uh, Crime World, uh, the new one is the Very Large Lemon Styles, as well as a plethora of Danny Dutch-related mini-comics and promoting work on Glius Williams. Um, let's jump into Danny Dutch and Lemon Styles. And I feel like it's a... Looking at your earlier mini-comic work, I feel like these are more... Well, I mean, it's more refined, but it's also a departure from doing necessarily traditional stories mm-hmm. into doing the one page. Is that kind of going back to what you were learning under Brunetti? Uh, in a way, I mean, I think partly I, I just started doing, you know, the like one-page strips as just a way to get something done, you know? Like, I, I was, uh, when I started doing the strip, I was unemployed, and I was, you know, I, I just wanted to, like, get something moving, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll just pace myself, and I'll see what I can get done in, in a week's time, and I'll, I'll limit myself to, you know, a one-page strip. And you know, my the first couple ones I did, I, you know, I haven't. They're not in the books, and I don't like them at all. They're, you know, they're not that, you know, two by two grid. There, and uh, you know, I was just sort of uh, trying to figure it out. But I don't know. I think mainly the the reason I've just done those four panel things. Uh, partly, yeah, I had a little, uh, a little bit of an idea how to work them out from from the Brunetti class. But mostly, it was because I, I just wanted to. To be able to have like something done uh-huh. um, after after a week instead of having like you know I've done the first page of these twenty pages you know and and um, you know every time I I've 
done that, I just I start to drag my ass, and I feel terrible that I'm I'm you know not getting more done. It's I don't know. For me, it's nice to have you know this one page done, and it's complete right there. Yeah. Is it somewhat uh, releasing just to be able to have it like not place yourself into expectations of output and be able to put out more stuff? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me feel better to, to actually get something done rather than, than be in planning stages for for my, you know, 300-page graphic novel or something like that, <laughs> which, which is just this kind of, to me, it seems like this interminable, like, stress situation or something that I, I don't really, I don't know, I'm not ready to get into. Well, I mean, that's... Do do you feel that's something you need to do as a cartoonist? Is do a massive graphic novel? No, I don't think uh, I need to do that. I mean, I don't think anybody needs to do that. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like is that that an expectation? Of... Well, in a way, it is. I mean, like the market expects you to do that. I think you know, like. Uh, I don't know, to get rich and famous, people expect you to have have your your signature uh, big book, you mm-hmm. know? Of course, uh, I, I think that comics work better as, as sort of shorter <laughs> shorter pieces. Uh, even, you know, I mean, like a one-page strip or a 10-page, 20-page strip, that stuff works pretty good. Uh, you know, you don't really need to, or I don't need to, do something really massive. I mean, it, it might be fun. It might be neat to come up with something that really works. That's you know really uh, in depth and and long and and exciting. But I don't know. I, I don't feel any pressure to to have to do that. Your work kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Tim Hensley's, in the way that you're kind of both capturing odd moments. I didn't want to say quirky because I don't think that really gives justice but yeah yeah I uh, I don't know he may have had a little influence on me actually I haven't I, I don't think I really read anything of his until I don't know a few years ago like I saw I think I got one of those big uh, comics journal specials those square ones they put out mm-hmm. I think those had some Hensley comics in them but um, yeah I uh, I you know I know him and I talk to him in person once in a while and I I really like, uh, I don't know, I like his uh, his outlook on things, it seems like, and yeah, I think that sort of translates into his comics. Yeah, like, I, I don't mean that he's influential on you, I just mean that you guys are working kind of in the same Yeah, vein. I think we do have, uh, are in sort of similar territory. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar aesthetics. Yeah. Maybe. Just put it out there. Except uh, that he's way better than me. Hey, now. We're going to turn off the self-deprecation sign here. Uh, no, I, you're, you know, you put a lot of work into your comics, and you can tell um, uh, that it's gone into it. Um, tell me about the process of, of the gag. Um, do you see them as gags? Um, the one pagers. I don't really. I don't really think of them as as like a, as jokes with punchlines. Usually, I mean, there's a couple that I've done that you know are meant to be 
funny like that, but I don't ever really think about them like that. I just kind of, they're just sort of like a slice out of, of like, I don't know, usually like, I sort of imagine them as like a, a longer conversation or something that, that I'm only transcribing like a small portion of it. Um. Like, I don't really uh, think of them as, as typical like uh, Garfield four panel uh, gag strips. So you don't hate Mondays? I don't. I like Mondays. Mondays are all right. Um, some of them are are one page funny. Uh, my favorite was the Joke Town one. When you when you're there, you'll be disposed to laughter. A world of glee because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, it's like a misery in comedy. <laughs> yeah, I think that one was more more of a more designed to be. Uh, I don't know a joke. I guess. I don't know. Sometimes they come out uh, as jokes. Sometimes they just come out as as uh, something else. I don't know. Do you, are your characters kind of like ciphers for different emotions for you, or different kind of parts of your life? Um, because you, you know, kinda... originally I kind of thought I might try and do them that way, but no, they're not. Uh, you know, as it turns out, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just sometimes I'll I'll just say, well, I don't want to draw that guy. I'll do do it this other what this other character doing the talking or or. Uh, you know, if you, once in a while I'll write one where it's, you know, one of the guy characters talking, and I'll switch it to the girl character doing the talking. And, and uh, but yeah, really they don't have any kind of personality, uh, or they all have the same personality. I think, uh, you know, now that I've done a bunch of them, I feel like Welby has his own personality. Oh really? Like, well, what personality does he have? Kind of the mischievous genius. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't really see him like that at all. No. No. There's that, that one kind of. There's uh, the one I was reading that Danny Dutch, where uh, Danny Dutch was complaining about. Was he getting? He got hit with a rock, and the uh, last panel with uh, Welby running away. Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess that's in there. But yeah, I mean, it could have been any one of them. Yeah. They'll... Yeah, probably when I put him in there, I was just trying to draw him. I kind of stopped using that character because I don't like drawing his glasses. It's just too much of a pain. So, I don't know. For a while, I was actually, like, just putting him in the strips to try and get a better handle on how to draw the character, but now I've kind of just given up. It's not mm-hmm. worth the trouble. Tell me about your Crime World stuff you've been doing more recently. It's kind of a uh, more bare-bones... Yeah, I think the the first one I did, I was I was actually kind of thinking about doing that as like a you know fully like illustrated like in the the in the lemon style strips like drawing it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, I don't know, ape was coming up, and I just had these thumbnails, so I just inked the thumbnails really fast and and uh, and printed it that way. And it kind of originally I wanted to do just like a regular old mini comic, you know. Like uh, I don't know, like everybody has done. I've never really done one like that, you know. All those, all my older mini comics are these weird, stupid, stupid dimensions, and and uh, I don't know. I just wanted to do something that was kind of basic and simple. 
And so I just, you know, I inked those pages real fast, and Ape was coming up, so I just, you know, I threw it together uh, at the last minute, like within the week before Ape. And uh, I don't know, it came out pretty good, I guess. I enjoyed them. Uh, yeah, and then I guess I, you know, I just did number two the same way, pretty much. I think I spent a little bit more time um, drawing it, the story of, I don't know, not as fully cooked, I think, as the first one in, in number two. But, uh, I don't know, I spent more time on the production of the second issue. It's got that nice, ultra-bright cover. Yeah, that that hot orange <laughs> stuff. For some reason, I had a big, I had like two reams of that shit at work. I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to use that stuff. Because it's not really good for anything because it's orange on one side and white on the other side. Yeah, so you have to use just the one side for, yeah. Yeah, it's basically useless, and it doesn't go through the copier very easily. No, you have to just do a couple at a time or something, or? Well, it, it won't, um, like on crime rule number one, you can, I could, I use the, the cardstock I put will go through the machine, or it'll actually staple and fold them for me. Oh, wow. So I don't have to mess with any of that stuff. But with this one, it that, that paper is too heavy, I guess, that it just wouldn't go through the, that last step to staple and fold them, so I had to do those by hand. <laughs> Which, I mean, for me, that's the worst part of making any comics, is having to, I don't know. The cut and staple? Yeah, just to sit there and staple 100 books. Or, yeah, I guess I didn't do 100, I did about 60 of those. They sold pretty well at Ape, though, from what I understand. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I've never had a, a, a decent mini-comic like sales-wise, anyway. Yeah. But, I don't know. There's something folks like about something cheap and pretty. Yeah. I'd, I I didn't really expect this one to be that pretty thing. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of steers your eyes when you look at it. Yeah. Well, it pulls you to it. It's that bright, you know. Yeah. When you look I, at the table of the stuff at uh, Sparkplug, everything's very blue, black, white... Yeah, well, Lemon Styles isn't. That's true, and it's massive. Um, why the choice to go with such a large size? So what, did you ask why I chose that? Yeah, what? Oh, why well, go so big? Um, well, well, I was talking it over with Dylan, and I, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, I always want to, you know, just to have things be really cheap, you know? Or to do what I want, but then still make it as cheaply as possible, and mm -hmm. have it, you know, sell for as little as possible. And so, you know, I was looking at at. Uh, oh, Dylan always complains to me too that those square comics I've done, the Danny Dutch and Shortest Interval, and also Lemon Style, they're square format, and that costs more. Yeah. Because you know they, I don't know, they throw more away, I guess, or whatever. And so he, you know, he. he gets on my case about that and so I'm always trying to work, figure out how to make them cheaper and looking at Danny Dutch which is 8 inches square versus Lemon Styles which is 10 inches square if I had done the Lemon Styles at the same specs as the Danny Dutch with you know the same sheet count Lemon Styles has but at that smaller size it would have been it would have been a dollar cheaper and so I thought, well, geez, I'll just make it a little bigger, and it'll be, uh, I don't know, it'll be closer to, like, the original art size, and, uh, I don't know, it'll be, uh, it'll make a spectacle of itself. And so I just, you know, 
we we talked it over and decided to try it out. Well, it looks good. It's a fine piece. Um, in the shortest interval, that's your one of your other more recent ones. I love uh, the name um, Gash Mountain Laboratory on Beaver Island. Uh huh. That was uh, that was very uh, stellar choice of wordplay. I'm pres- you, you say it doesn't actually exist, does it? Uh, as far as I know, it may. It may. But it may. I I did mean to just make it up. Well, the shortest interval is a bit of a departure for you. Yeah, um, I uh, I don't know I listened to this podcast one day and it was about it was this. Um, it's a podcast from Australia where they cover like religious issues, and this episode they're talking to the to like the astronomer from the Vatican, and uh, he started talking about yeah the the Planck epoch, which happened just right after the Big Bang, and you know the the podcast was sort of trying to reconcile you know uh, believing in. God with, you know, believing in, in you know, an infinite universe and yeah. this and that. And uh, I don't know, I, he just started talking about how the, the Planck interval was this, you know, really sh- tiny, short period of time, but pretty much everything occurred there between, you know, infinite nothingness and then, like, everything in the universe now. <laughs> It'll happen in this sort of fragment of, of uh, of time, uh, I don't know. That kind of blew me away, so I decided to pitch Dylan a comic that sort of talks about that. And, and you, you know, it's, it's mostly theoretical science, and uh, I'm not uh, a real uh, sharp uh, scientist uh, type character. So I, I, you know, there's there's some stuff out of the Wikipedia, and there's some <laughs> stuff that is made up, and you know, just jokes that kind of pad it out here and there. What would life be like w- without the Wikipedias? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to make many comics for sure.
Tell me about your interest with uh, Glorious Williams and why you're, uh, you know, you set up the website and post all the artwork. Uh, well, I think I, um, I don't know, I first saw Glorious Williams in uh, probably, oh, I don't know, some old comic strip, you know, collection book, um, and there really wasn't anything about him, and, and uh, I don't know, it just... Uh, when I first saw that stuff, you know, when I was a teenager or whatever, it really struck me that it was really, really good drawing. You know, it's really pared down and basic, but it's also almost impossible to draw like that. Or, I mean, for for me, it's yeah. like it would be impossible to draw like that. Um, it's like a very loose, effervescent quality to it, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, the just the fact that Glace Williams was doing this is like a daily strip um, for like 20 years, you know, and he'd draw like a character in like 12 different positions or just his face, you know, with 12 different facial expressions and then sort of, you know, a funny story too. Um, you know, that's, that's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of unbelievable that, that that's possible. It, it, um, it kind of predates uh, what um, Pfeiffer was doing a bit, Jules Pfeiffer. Right, yeah, but also it has this more classic, classically trained style of drawing mm-hmm. than, than Pfeiffer has. More craftsmanship to it, right? But but anyway, after I first saw his stuff, it, there's really you know it's always in all the old cartooning books. Cleus Williams is always used as an example of like the single panel gag, and they never showed any of the other stuff that he'd done. And, you know, it never really gave any hint that this guy had a huge career. You know, it said he did Robert Benchley illustrations, and then he did one-panel gags. And that was about the extent of Glorious Williams. And then, you know, I sort of started looking around and seeing more and liking it more. And uh, I don't know, it's like this guy was kind of forgotten at the time. I don't know if he is still. I don't know if people know about him now either. But, you know, when I was first starting to, to try and find more more of his stuff. Um, it was it was harder to find anything. And when I was first putting the website together, there wasn't really anything on the internet about him. Uh, so yeah, I started buying up old, you know, his old comic strips off of eBay and and just you know finding the stuff where I could here and there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I put it all on the website. I'm kind of not uh, not really following him anymore. I don't know what happened. But I, I haven't really done any work on that website. I mean, I, I still think he's, a, you know, a real genius and a real uh, unsung uh, cartoonist. Mm-hmm. 
You're saying he's a big influence on Brunetti's current incarnation too. At some point, to probably see so. I mean, I, I know that. Uh, I think we were talking about it on Twitter. There was that one strip of Brunetti's where it's inside the house, mm-hmm. and he kind of wakes up up in the roof and kind of goes down to the basement and meditates by the end of the strip, and that's lifted directly from a Glorious Williams page. <laughs> just the design of it. So yeah, I mean, I, I know that that Ivan uh, is a fan or or is inspired by him in, in at least that little way. Acknowledges his existence. Um, where do you kind of where are your comics going to go from here? Are you going to continue with the Danny Dutch? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of getting tired of doing those one page things, and I I sort of want to branch out and maybe do longer strips, but not like I'm I still don't think I'm going to do like a big uh, anything any monumental undertaking as far as. Uh, being a graphic novelist, <laughs> but um, and that's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of, kind of, I dipped my toe into doing a longer strip in the in Lemon Styles. I've kind of got another one that's that's also long, but with the same characters like that. Um, and I was kind of toying with the, you know, a longer strip that's, you know, got different characters and maybe different drawing style. I don't know. I don't know if I'll. Uh, want to learn how to draw another way or not for it, but I think that's kind of what I'm doing, just kind of branching out into not doing the excuse me, not doing those four panel things as much but also it's it's still a really good way to, for me to get get work done is just to, you know, do four panels and call it a day. So it's important for you to have regular output. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to have stuff done and, you know, get stuff out there in case there's anyone interested in reading it um, but yeah I mean I, I, I feel like I'm I don't know like comics is about the only thing I'm good at I feel like an idiot if I'm not doing them so I you know I, I yeah if I don't have some kind of uh, uh, a little bit of like a deadline push or something like that I, I just won't get anything done I'll watch you know, watch TV all the time or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would probably do the same if I didn't have the radio show. <laughs> I wouldn't read as much. Yeah, I mean, it's just what, you know, what everybody does. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, you get home from work and you go home and you watch TV for four hours and then, then go to bed. And I, I, I don't know, I can't do that. I get frustrated mm-hmm. doing that for more than one day. How is uh, San Diego for you for doing the conventions? Because you go every year since you're down there. Is it maddening or is it eye-opening and exciting? Or um, You mean the San Diego show specifically? Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, the specifically the big, the big show. Um, no, it's not maddening. I mean, I've gone for the last, I don't know, four or five years every year and it's just I don't know, it's exactly the same, I guess. You know, once I'm in there, I kind of, you know, I, by the second or third day, I just kind of zone out and wander around and try not to spend money. <laughs> and I don't know, at this point, I don't want a lot of of junky back issues anyway anymore. I'm kind of tired of those. Yeah. So I just, I don't know, I work the table with, with the, the spark plug gang and then just kind of wander around in a haze. In a haze. But... Yeah, I mean, it, uh, 
you know, the traffic jams don't bother me or anything like that. I don't know if I can handle it. One day, maybe. But I think. Uh, uh, oh, you've never been to it, have you? No. Yeah, you should go. You should go for the whole time just once and see what you think. I think I would need a table to crash at. <laughs> I don't think my publisher will be going anytime. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure if, I think Tom Neely said that he wasn't going to go back with the table anymore. Yeah. After several years. And, yeah, I think more and more people are kind of, I mean, more and more people who do the kind of stuff that, that I do and that, you know, that you do on the show, mm-hmm. I think they're not going to San Diego Comic-Con anymore. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's hard to get here, you know? It's expensive to fly here, and it's just remote from everything. So if, if you're not going to, uh, I don't know, if you don't have some kind of multi-million dollar like marketing idea or something like that, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to come here. Or Golden Throne. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to yak with me today, David. Oh, it's over? Is that okay? Thanks for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> magic moment So different and so new Was like any other Until I met you And then it happened It took me by surprise I knew that you felt it too See it by the look in your eyes Sweeter than wine Softer than a summer's night Everything I wanna have Whenever I hold you tight This magic moment While your lips are close to mine Will last forever Forever till the end of time So why won't you dance with me? Hey, baby Why won't you dance with me? This magic moment So different and so new Was like any other Until I met you And then it happened You know it took me by surprise I knew that you felt it too By the look in your eyes Sweeter than wine Ooh, softer than a summer's night Everything I want, I have Whenever I hold you tight This magic moment 
Better than a summer's night 